welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. I want to go straight into God's Word tonight, just straight in if we can. We're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. That's where we're going to be looking. Um, So I want you to turn in your Bible and hold the place there. uh, Because we're going to look at a call of God, um, the call of God, a call. um, Call of God for what I believe is to each one of us. Uh, at this point in time, it was a letter, it was an admonition given from Paul to Timothy, but I feel like the Holy Spirit uh, speaks to us in every generation. I believe it's something from the Word of God that each one of us can benefit from. Uh, so if you just hold that scripture there in Second Timothy 1, uh, 1 through 9, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But this letter, 2 Timothy, is the last known letter that Paul would ever write that we have record of. Now, he could have written and probably did write a few more. But this is the one that has come down to us. This is the one that has been preserved, that the Holy Spirit saw fit to, to present. Paul wrote many, many letters uh, of which we, we don't have copies of. But this is one of the ones, and thank God we have one of the final letter that he wrote to, to Timothy here before us, and uh, Timothy obviously kept it, shared it in the church, and it became part of church history. It became shared and written and copied, and so it's preserved by the Holy Spirit for us. It's, it's here for our admonition. It's here for each one of us. So this isn't just Paul talking to Timothy. It's the Holy Spirit talking to us. It's God speaking to us through this letter. So when we take this letter up and we begin to read it uh, to get a feel for the context, I don't know if you do this, but I do this. I try in my Bible reading to imagine what that person felt like when they wrote it, what they were going through when they wrote it, where they were when they wrote it. And so it helps when you read Second Timothy to, to read this letter uh, as if we were with Paul, as if we were with him in a, in a dark, uh, damp basement prison cell. I've actually been there uh, to this particular cell. I visited years ago in Rome, and it's in the center of the city. It's not too far from where the, the old Senate used to be in the Colosseum, uh, but you can visit there. And it, isn't a, it, it certainly isn't, you know, the Hilton. It certainly isn't a place that you would want to be, and it certainly isn't the last place you would want to stay if uh, you were an elderly gentleman, and uh, this was the, towards the end of your life. It's a very, it was a very constrained, confined uh, place, very dark, very cold, um, and just very dingy. And here he is. Uh, he's chained to a stone pillar that's coming up out of the ground. There's chains running through. He's looped through it. He's not alone. There's other prisoners in the cell with him. They're all on the same chain, chained in. And uh, he's been arrested now for the last time. This is around AD 64, 65, and the great persecution in Rome 
under Nero, when Nero began his, mad, his descent into madness, and if you know anything about what Nero did to Christians, read about it, read your history. Uh, he was brutal, he was vicious, he was wicked. Uh, he impaled Christians alive on stakes, dipped them in tar, and put them in his garden and lit them on fire. Uh, he, went, he, he really became very deranged, obsessed with killing Christians, obsessed with trying to snuff out the church. And so it's during this season that the Christians in Rome have fled. Many of them have died. And Paul, being a church leader, has been arrested and he waits for his last trial. And uh, Paul would go on from this cell, be marched out onto the, the execution grounds, and he would lose his head to a Roman sword and uh, there forever be with the Lord. Uh, he would meet the Lord there. Uh, so Paul at this time in his life is considered to be an elderly man, especially, uh, you know, when the average age, uh, you know, the life expectancy is roughly 30 to 35. Paul is 61 to 65 years of age. The only person there with him during this time is Luke. And he had a traveling physician named Luke to go with him because his body was so broken. His body was in bits. He bore, you read about Paul when he said, I, bore, I bear in my body the marks of the dying of the Lord Jesus. That wasn't just, you know, he wasn't being emotional. He wasn't just trying to elicit sympathy. He genuinely, every step he took uh, was one racked with pain. He had difficulty moving. Uh, he had lost most of his eyesight. It was very poor. Uh, historians, church historians described him as a, uh, a bent-nosed, bent-over, frail, uh, short man at this time. And so he's not the strapping uh, picture of youth. He has lived his life fully, and his body is carrying the cost. And so this is the picture that we come to when we begin to read 2 Timothy. His body is bent and is scarred. His eyesight is very poor. And he is, Luke there, or whoever is there with him, is writing down as he dictates this letter, some of his last letters to disciples and people that followed the Lord with him. Winter is coming. And uh, I think it's fitting that that's even in the letter. Winter is always synonymous with death. It's always synonymous with an end, the end of life. And uh, he tells Timothy, winter is coming. Bring my coat with me. Bring the parchments, uh, the writings with me. Bring the, the books uh, that I have, what's left of mine. Uh, when you come, and I long, I long to see you, uh, bring these with you. And there's no record if Timothy actually made it there in time. There's no record of a visit by Timothy. But this letter is four years after 1 Timothy. And it's quite different circumstances that he is in, as this is his last letter. And you know, most of the time, when men like Paul, men of great integrity, men of great character, men of, of stature like this man was, and what he represents to us as Christians, as a, a father of the faith, when, when these men are passing on their last words, 
when they're saying something, uh, you know, and, and it's years of, of knowledge, years of living. When they write something down, it's usually weighty. It's usually meaningful. It, it usually carries a weight with it. And so this letter, in, in essence, is that. It's, it's his, his uh, as they say, his swan song, uh, some would call it. But this is, in essence, the passing of a torch. It's the passing of the baton onto his son in the faith. He, he considered Timothy the most faithful. He said, nobody has my interests like you, son. You've been with me. You've traveled with me. You have the interest of Christ. You, you, you've kept the faith. You've been faithful. And so this letter is filled with emotion. It's filled with meaning. And, and, and it's filled with wisdom of the years of Paul's journey. So some of the, some of the imagery may seem simplistic. But how many of you know uh, the more profound you come, the simpler you become? You see that in the life of Christ. Jesus could speak about a seed. Jesus could speak about a farmer. He could speak about rain. He could speak about all these things. But there was great uh, profundity in Christ. There was great depth in his ministry. And so he is going to give out some very... Um, advice, this years of, of, of journeying with the Lord and wisdom, and he's going to pass this on to his son. And at this point in Timothy's life, he's in the stride of his ministry. He's roughly uh, in his mid-30s. He's been pastoring in Ephesus for at least four years at this point of his life. And he's been with the Apostle Paul at this point in his life for at least 15 to 20 years of his life. He met Paul around the age of 14 or 15, became a very young disciple and showed promise. The Bible is very clear about that. Showed great devotion as a teenager. Like many of the disciples of Christ, you know, when we read about John and Peter and these, these guys were very young, 14, 15, some of them no, no older than 20, 21 years old, very young men. Lest we think that they're, you know, they're, they're much, much older. But here is, here is Timothy. In, you know, he's in his stride in ministry. He's in his mid-30s. And now he's leading uh, the largest Christian church in the Roman world. They're, they're, they said that in Ephesus, uh, at the height and peak of the Ephesian church, it grew to be almost 30,000 people. 30, imagine pastoring 30,000 people. We think we have mega churches, you know, and we do with the aid of different campuses and, you know, pastoral staff and all of this and the help of technology. But long before there was an Internet, there was a, there was there were there was the Holy Spirit moving in this body, in this place, lest we think we've invented a mega church. Amen. There was a massive move of God in Ephesus. And the city was only about 250,000 people. And yet there was a great groundswell. There was such a revival and an awakening there. And Timothy, God called him as a very young man in that age, in that time. Uh, although, you know, life expectancy would have been around that age. He is considered a young man to be such a teacher, a spiritual leader and teacher. And so he's leading this Christian body. And historians say that Timothy, Timothy was a natural introvert. He was not 
personality plus. He wasn't someone you would pick out of the crowd because his personality was extrovert. He wasn't everybody's friend. In other words, he wasn't the one that you would be necessarily drawn to his personality. But he was, he was gifted and he was talented in teaching and sharing the word of God. And, uh, you know, he, he, he had a calling from a very young age in ministry. Paul says, let no man despise your youth. He was called at a very young age at 15 to go and to travel with Paul. Imagine being 15 and, and going on the road with the apostle Paul. You know, that would have been a very scary proposition to be confronted with being stoned and run out of cities and all the different things that he went through on that first missionary journey with Paul. And so this young man, God developed him. He was quiet by nature, mild-mannered, yet God chosen this man to help carry his church in Ephesus. And this is what I love about the word of God. Because, you know, man chooses after what they can see. Man chooses based on personality. Man chooses, you know, I remember years ago in ministry, going into ministry, and, and there was a big thing about taking a personality test. And I found it so discouraging at times because my personality test didn't come out to equal what God had called me to do. What I felt God was speaking into my life. And, you know, God doesn't work the way that we work. Amen. He chooses the foolish to confound the wise. Right. And so here's a young man that God has chosen and raised up. And he is in very much need, actually, of Paul's assistance. I mean, he is carrying quite a large work and he is he has a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure in that Roman Empire upon this young man leading the flock, being a man of God, being called as one of the church leaders there. So this is the, this is the context. This letter is written under a storm cloud of persecution as the Roman state starts to set the Christian church in its iron sights. They begin to uh, look at it through the crosshairs. And they are now, because the church is growing, now the church is gaining influence. Now the church is moving throughout the Roman Empire. They begin to be noticed more and more by Rome and its political powers, and they felt threatened. So this is the background. It's very sober. It's filled with love. It's filled with emotion. And it's filled with wisdom. And it's here where I want to read this admonition to Timothy tonight. <clears throat> for the next few moments. And I want to glean something from God's heart for us because I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is speaking uh, through the word of God to us tonight. Uh, I want to begin to read this letter as written from a father to a son. Second Timothy 1, 1, look in there with me. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my dearly, beloved son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day. You hear the heart of this man towards Timothy, greatly desiring to see you 
being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded. In other words, I know that is in you also. And we're going to look at this verse tonight. This is what we're going to focus in on. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I want to focus on this portion's main message to Timothy as it comes as an encouragement from Paul as Timothy faced mounting pressures and Paul says, I'm mindful of your tears. He not only had mounting pressures in the church, but he also suffered in his physical body. He had health issues. And Paul says, I'm mindful of your tears, young man. I'm mindful, son, that you've been through some difficulties. And I, I want to say a few things to you as these pressures are mounting, as storm clouds are billowing around us as Christians. I want you to, I, I want to say some things and speak into your life. And, and Paul's advice, though written to Timothy, is sound advice for every Christian. This isn't just for young ministers. This isn't just for Timothy. For 2,000 years ago, this is for you and I today, where we live, especially now. And I think that as we look at the landscape, as things have shifted so drastically in this last year, we could too, like Paul, look around and read the signs of the times and say, surely storm clouds are gathering. Surely things are changing. There's a shift in the climate. And I'm not talking about climate change. I'm talking about in our society. That there is an erosion that is taking place at breakneck speed. And it is a, there is an undercurrent that is so satanic, that is so dark, that is undermining everything that is right, everything that is good, everything that is holy. It is, it is attacking everything that is godly. And we are facing, whether we realize it or not, as Christians, we are facing into an uncertain time ahead where there are going to be costs to us for serving Christ. There are going to be costs to us for naming him and walking with him. Already, Christians are being systematically canceled out of culture. People are just canceled and, and just relegated to this heap of no names of religious fanatics and right wing religious nuts if we believe in biblical truth. It's so easy for people to do. It's so easy just for people to write you off these days because you take a stand for truth. And, and when we're looking around and seeing the upheaval, 
upheaval and the chaos that is happening, this portion of scripture serves as a good reminder to us. It serves as a good piece of advice for everybody here. Not just me. Not just me as a minister. Not just me called vocationally to be a pastor. This word is not just for pastors and church leaders. It's for the body of Christ. It's for the church, for every child of God. And it's verse 6. Read it with me again. Wherefore I put you in remembrance. I want you to remember something, son. And I want you to stir up the gift of God. I want you to stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. And this is what Paul says. Paul gives Timothy this word, stir up the gift that is in you. And in the Greek it actually says this, fan into flames the gift within you that was put in you by the laying on of hands. Look at this tonight. I want you to hear tonight the admonition of the Spirit to you, to me. Fan into flame, to you. Fan into flame, the gift that's deposited in you. Hear that from the heart of God, from the wisdom of God. As we look into an uncertain future, as we look at society breaking down, as we look at the confusion that's taking root, Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, the call from heaven to not be so focused on these outward things, but to be focused on this call from the Holy Spirit to fan into flame the gift that God's put into you. I want to look at three things from this verse, the gift, the vessel, and the call. Those three things are what we're going to look at in just a moment. Paul doesn't waste any time in his opening statements to encourage Timothy to stir up the gift of God within him. He says, I want you to fan into flame something that God has deposited in you, that I was there, that I witnessed, that I shared in, that I know about in your life. That God put something in your life. It's, it's not, you know, sometimes when we get into thick of things, sometimes when we get into uh, uncertainty, into deep waters, sometimes we lose our grounding in where we've come from. Sometimes it's, it, we look back and we say, was that even real what happened to me? Was that even, you know, we can go through those times where we begin to question. When Paul says, I was there, son, I witnessed. God did something in your life. God put something in you, and I attest to it. You know, we should do that with one another. We should, instead of looking to tear one another down, we should be looking at one another and say, brother, I see something that God has put in you. Sister, I see something of God in your life. Because out there, we're not getting any support. You're not going to hear that from without. So we need to edify one another. And I love that Paul says, I'm remembering the times when I put my hand on you and God put something into your life. I was there. I witnessed it. And this gift, when you read and study, has nothing to do with a God-given talent 
or ability. This is not about, you know, some gift that God gave him to speak, some vocational gift to lead. This is something deeper than that. It was a deposit in his life that was put there by God. And when you read, sometimes when you study this scripture out, when you look at it, a lot of people go that direction. They say, well, this is just an, ad, an older minister writing to a younger minister, encouraging him in his calling, encouraging him in his gifting, uh, his call to be a pastor, his call to share the word, his call to be an evangelist, uh, a teacher, his giftings, if it's a worship leader or whatever, that's what this is about. That's what Paul is conveying to him. Stir up that gift to lead, Timothy. Stir up that gift to pastor, Timothy. But folks, I want to tell you something. Because I know I've lived long enough in ministry and I've walked this life long enough. There is no gifting and there is no talent that God puts in your life that can keep you. I don't care how well you sing. I don't care how well you preach. I don't care what your talent or your gift it is. They're wonderful. I, and, and saying that, I don't mean to, to, to sound negative towards that. But I can tell you, your gift will not keep you. Your talent won't be the thing that you need to cling to to encourage you in your time of need. You, begin, you come into a moment of trial. You come into a moment of testing. You're, the devil doesn't care about your calling. He doesn't care about your gifting. It, 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 it makes no difference and it has no ability to keep you. It's good to remind ourselves what we're called to do. It's good to war with that, but I can tell you that you're going to be taken places where your giftings are not going to make a difference. Where you can know that you're gifted. You can know that God's put something in you to do, but how many of you know it's not what you do that can keep you in this race? It's something more than that. And you're going to see it, it's so apparent in Scripture in just a moment. God put something in his life. Paul is clear that this gift, and he goes on to say it in the very next verse, that this gift that God has given to Timothy is the Holy Spirit. This isn't about talent. This is about gifted. Paul's saying, I was there when you, when you, when your family came to the Lord. I was there when the Holy Spirit came upon your life. I was there. I was praying with you. I witnessed it. I saw God move in your life. And listen to what he says. He goes on in this theme of giving, of God giving, and he says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. So he goes on to describe the gift that God has given us a spirit of power. God has given you, Timothy, when I laid my hands on you, a deposit of heaven. And you track this through the book of Acts, and you can see that the apostles would lay their hands on people when they first came to Christ. And there would be an impartation, there would be an inundation of the Holy Spirit. And their lives would be changed. Their lives would be changed. So this isn't about Timothy being ordained to ministry, but it's about his encounter with the Holy Spirit in his younger years. And at some point, 
Timothy was brought to faith in Paul's ministry. We know that. And it was this gift of the Holy Spirit that was put in him by the laying on of Paul's hands. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul reminds Timothy, in essence, you've been given a gift. The person of the Holy Spirit. He isn't afraid. He's full of love. He's able to give you a sound mind. He's able to meet you where you are. He's able to sustain you as the tears flow through ministry. As you go through life, you have a helper. And I was there when he came into your life. That's what he's saying to him. What a bit of encouragement. Think about it just for a moment. You and I have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have received this free gift of the Father, the third person of the Godhead. This is not a light thing. This is not some side note thing. This is the end of the gospel. This is what Paul says in Galatians. The end of the gospel is the promise of the Spirit. This is the gift. It's not just about heaven, but it's about the manifest presence of God in our lives. God has come to dwell inside of you. He's come to live in you. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He's come to live in jars of clay. There we have the vessel. We have the gift in contrast to the vessel. God has put the power of his spirit in clay jars. That's the tension that we feel. We feel our weakness. We feel our pain. We feel our failure. We feel all of those things. And there's always this tension. Yet within us, there is this gift, this treasure. Listen to what Paul says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The gift is the all-surpassing power of God in breakable jars of clay. And this is the plan of God. We are living in a world where our jars can be broken, where we are called in weakness. But God has sent us a helper. God has given us his spirit. God has put something within us that is powerful, that the excellency wouldn't be about ourselves. It wouldn't be about Timothy, would be, but would be about the one that lived within him. And Paul says, you're a vessel, and in you God has deposited a great gift, this gift, gift of his earthen presence. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is the earthen presence of God? And he lives in you. We talk to God as if he sits out on a throne and there is a very real heaven and there's a very real throne room where Christ is seated, but he's very much real in your life. The Holy Spirit is taking up residence in your life. You have this gift tonight if you're a child of God. You have this deposit and all of hell hates it. The flesh wars against it, and the world will always reject it. But inside of you, right now, there's a deposit that you received like Timothy, a free, unmerited gift of grace, the person of the Holy Spirit. 
So the emphasis here isn't on Timothy's abilities. It's not on his gifting to be a pastor. It is on the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit within him. And we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of that. I'm going to close very shortly, but we need to be reminded of that. Because so much of what is coming out of pulpits and what is in pop psychology today is just awaken the giant within you. You have so much potential. You have so many giftings. You have all of these resources. Folks, as a Christian, we are called in weakness to be empowered by the Spirit of God. That's our life. That's our lot. This is who we are. And we know this and we hear this and we recognize this. Yet Paul says to Timothy, fan the gift into flame. Fan the gift into flame. And this is what the Holy Spirit, as I was preparing, I felt I could come and share with you tonight. That there is this call from God, from the Father, from His Word, to engage more fully with the person of the Holy Spirit that's in your life. That's what Paul is saying. He says, fan into flame the gift. Be engaged with the gift. Be interactive with the gift of the presence of Almighty God in your life. Interact with Him in such a way that His presence is burning within you. That's what Paul is saying. Continue your relationship with the presence of God. Timothy, this is the first thing he writes straight out of the trap. Timothy, right away, if you're going to make it, son, you've got to fan the flame. You've got to keep alive your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can't be so caught up in church work. You can't be caught so much in this world, in your pain, in your difficulties, in life, in the things that are coming your way, that you disengage from interacting with the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul. This is the encouragement. And I want you to hear this because here is the man that's the exact example of what Paul is telling Timothy to do. Paul engaged with the presence of God. He engaged with the life of God. He lived a life given to the Holy Spirit. He fed the flame. And this is his, of of everything Paul could have talked about, and he could have talked about mysteries of the word, he could have opened up scripture to him. He says, no, Timothy, if if you want to make it, you've got to develop this relationship with the God within you, the Holy Spirit. You have to feed this flame. 
This flame will keep you. This flame will burn in you. This flame will pick you up when you don't have the power to move another step. This power within you is greater than the power that is without you. So you need to feed that relationship. You need to give it oxygen. That's what it means to to fan the flame. If you've ever fanned something that was dying back into life, you are feeding oxygen into that flame. And this is what Paul says, give your life with the Holy Spirit oxygen give your life with God oxygen Christians we are being called in this hour to give our lives with the Holy Spirit oxygen we are called to give it our attention when you give something oxygen you give it attention you, you're, you're not just letting it go out. You're just not letting it just burn away and, 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 and go into some low burning. No, that's not the heart of God. God wants you to give your heart to developing that flame that is within you. You are called to keep that flame. You are a flame keeper. I'm a flame keeper. There's a deposit within my life. There's a Holy Spirit living within me. And you see it throughout the word of God. You see the priests of old, they were given the fire of God off the altar. And God says, keep that flame. Keep it burning. Make it your purpose. Make it your life. Make it your, give it oxygen. And Paul had that relationship. He nurtured it. He protected it. It meant something to him. And folks, I want to tell you right now, in the coming days ahead, our relationship with the manifest presence of God in our lives, the Holy Spirit, is going to become more and more precious to us. As things begin to unfold, we are going to have to begin to give that relationship more and more oxygen. We're going to have to feed the flame. We're going to have to give it our attention. How do I fan the flame? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I'll close out. Just a few things. Give him your attention. You need to acknowledge God's presence in your life daily. 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 Not Sunday and Wednesday, daily. Know that the Holy Spirit is there with you. Know that the presence of God is with you wherever you go. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You carry the the glory of God, the presence of God. You carry that wherever you go. Give him your attention. Give him your devotion. You need to set aside your life for God's purposes and love him supremely. Let go of anything that will keep you from experiencing God's presence in your life. There's nothing worth the presence of God. There's nothing worth the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If it hinders us from walking with God, we should get, give it over to him and surrender it. Be sensitive to his promptings. Listen to his voice. Learn to love what he loves and learn to hate what he hates. Develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Be a man or woman 
of worship. That's one of the greatest things that you can do is to give yourself to worship. Sing to the Lord. Worship in your home. Worship in your car. Worship as you're walking. Worship as you're working. Worship wherever you go. If it's in the shower, before you go to bed, become a person that knows how to worship God. That knows how to meet with God when nobody else is looking. Develop that relationship. Fan the flame. Give it oxygen. When you lift those hands and you sing to him, you begin to give it oxygen. You begin to stir up the gift within you. You become aware that you're not alone. Amen. That there is someone in you, living in you, that the God of heaven has come to take up residence. When you worship, when you sing to yourselves psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, you begin to stir it up. Get involved in church life. Serve. Sow your life for something that matters. Give your life over to the kingdom of God. Sow your life into the church. Sow your life into the body. Give. Find your giftings. Find your callings. And that will help stir up. And it will help maintain a flame. It will help give it oxygen. Learn to pray. Learn to pray. Calling on God's spirit to help you and to strengthen you. And finally, be a man or a woman of the book. Hallelujah. Be a man or woman of the book. I love what those disciples said when they were walking with Jesus. Did our hearts not burn when we walked with him in the way? As he opened to us the scriptures? Hallelujah. Be a man or woman that loves to hear the word of God, that loves the reproof of God, that loves the correction, but also loves the, the admonition and the encouragement. Learn to love the whole counsel of the word of God, not just what is easy for you to accept, but whatever God has to say. God, give me an ear to hear what the spirit is saying. Help me to be a man or a woman of the word. And folks, I tell you, those simple steps, those simple things in our lives will keep you. Those simple things in your life will fan a flame and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the gifts that are in you, other than the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit, will begin to manifest. And God will begin to use your life. And you will grow in the things of God. I want you to stand with me tonight. We're going to close Folks, it's time to fan the flame. Hallelujah. You better believe that the enemy is busy about fanning his flame. You better believe that the world is busy about fanning their flame. God's people have been given something. There's been a deposit in your life. And maybe you've lost contact. Maybe you've let the maybe you've just let that fire and some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And it's so easy to make excuses. It's so easy to say, but you don't understand. No, I do understand. I, I've, we've all been through things. We all go through things. We can all find reasons why this thing shouldn't happen. 
It's time to lay aside those excuses. Look what's happened in Afghanistan. Look what's happened in Haiti. Look at what's happened in our world with COVID. There's a call from the Holy Spirit, from the throne of God. Fan into flames your relationship with the presence of Almighty God. Fan into flames your relationship with the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Your pastor can't do it for you. Your wife can't do it for you. Your friend can't do it for you. You are the flame keeper of the gift that God has put within you. Now fan it. Hallelujah. Fan it. Develop it. We have the cross. We have the blood. We have every grace, every reason, every resource has been put within us tonight. The Holy Spirit is saying, come. Oh, come. Hallelujah. You start to fan that flame, and I guarantee you, the Holy Spirit is going to show up in your life. He's going to show up in great ways in your life. We're going to close right now. I thought we might have time for a song, but just continue to play the music. I want you to lift your hands as we close in prayer. Some of us need to say, just acknowledge I've not been a very good keeper of the flame. I've let other things come in. I let things come in and, and it's not a priority. I let this happen and that happen. I've made excuses. I've looked at hurts more than I've looked at the God. I've looked at this reason and that reason. I've been jealous. I've been resentful. We can lay it all out there, but it's time to lay it all out there and let the flame consume it tonight. It's time to put the excuses aside and say, Holy Spirit, I want to renew my relationship with you. I want to fan into flame. I want to give it oxygen tonight. I want to throw the lid off. I want to put, take the dampers off. And I want you to blow through my life with a heavenly oxygen. And I want the fire of God to begin to burn up distractions, to begin to burn up things that are captivating my heart. Because Lord, I realize we are living in these last days and I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need you to come like never before and to move in my life. Holy Spirit, we call on you tonight. Lord, we give you oxygen. We give you room. We give you place tonight. And we ask you to move, Lord. Hallelujah. God, that you would move in such a powerful way in our church, in our homes, in our lives as individuals. Lord, we give you oxygen tonight. Holy Spirit, we repent for not acknowledging you. We repent for not giving you the air that you need and the honor that you deserve. And Lord, we ask you tonight for cleansing, but we also ask you for a fresh baptism. We ask you for a fresh fire. We ask you for a fresh infilling. Lord, we ask you that you would anoint our head with oil, that our cups would flow overflow, and that God, would we would know you in the power of your Holy Spirit living in these last days shining as a bright light Lord to a world that is around us God feel tonight touch tonight as we call on your name fan into flame Christian take some time tonight hallelujah get that Bible in your hand hallelujah that's your fan get that Bible crack the Bible Get a worship song on and go and find a place and get along with him and say, Lord, I want to fan this into flame. I want the Holy Spirit to be active in my life. I want to be a worshiper.
I want to be someone who follows you, who loves you, who's devoted to you. I want to be someone who prays and follows your voice. Lord, I ask you tonight, do something in my life. We love you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Folks, take that word with you tonight. Take that word with you. Seriously, if you can, get alone with the Lord. Hallelujah. Talk to Him. Let the Holy Spirit build a fire in you. Get some momentum going. Some of you need to get your momentum back. You need to get your momentum back. Let the Holy Spirit burn out those things that are just consuming you. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but when He comes back, I want my light burning. Amen. If you want your light burning, say amen. Hallelujah. I hope that's your prayer tonight. God bless you, Court Church. Bless those that are online tonight. I pray you've been touched by the Holy Spirit and encouraged. Fan into flame tonight. Fan into flame. Don't put it off. Fan into flame. The gift God's put in you. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. tuning in with us today make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram at cork church also make sure to like and subscribe to our youtube channel if you have any questions at all you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com again thank you for tuning in and see you next time god bless